it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The journey to a COVID-19 vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we have a great one uh, in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to be talking about a recent survey of uh, couples and their TV-watching habits with uh, Bailey Kay from All Home Connections and. uh, some interesting results about uh, what couples watch together, what they don't admit to each other they watch. It should be a lot of fun. In the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk um, with uh, Crystal McCreary, who has uh, just written a new book called Little Yogi Deck, Simple Yoga Practices to Help Kids Move Through Big Emotions. And uh, But first, we're going to start... Um, we're going to start out this hour talking with uh, um, my guest is uh, a, a person who has uh, worked with uh, how should I put this um, inclusion and and uh, disability um, for more than twenty five years, and uh, she has a book called Win Win Win. Her name is Tova Sherman. She joins me by phone. Hi, Tova. Welcome to the show. And a good morning to you, Tom, and all of your listeners today. Tova, I've got in my notes, and this is going to be a, a seem like a silly place to start, but in my notes it says Canadian CEO. What, yes. what is a Canadian CEO? Well, is it different I am not than... the CEO of Canada. Let's just put that <laughs> verbiage right aside. Okay. I can understand totally why you're, you're thinking you're talking to someone who actually has the PMZ. Or I can assure you I do not. No, Albert, about really the verbiage is about the fact that as an NGO CEO, meaning a nonprofit 
CEO in Canada who is leading and blazing a trail, as they say, around innovative thinking in the workplace to ensure that employers are disability confident all across North America. And how how is... Uh and just out of curiosity, because I've worked in nonprofits uh, in the states, um, is the nonprofit status in Canada very different from the way it is in the states? Not particularly. I think the really big difference in terms of my field is that 35-plus years ago, the ADA, or the Americans with Disabilities Act, appeared and, you know, has been really driving some of the discussion around disability and inclusion, especially in the workplace, in the United States. Well, in 2019, less than two years ago, Canada passed their ACA, or Accessible Canada Act. So we have some catching up to do, but I think what we're doing is at the right time when I truly believe, Tom, that there is a paradigm shift happening around the way we think about people with disabilities. We're starting to get it a little more, and all disability confidence is is taking it to the next level so you don't avoid people with disability and instead want to engage them because you understand the importance of innovation in this new brain economy in particular. And and I want to talk about that a little bit because for a lot of for a lot of people, a lot of CEOs, uh, and and more importantly for a lot of uh, human resources uh, uh, administrators, they're looking very. Uh, I, I think we all are accepting the idea that we don't want to discriminate against anyone for anything, but yet these people are put in positions where. They're, they're actually, their job description is to discriminate for the best skills, the most ability. Uh, how, do you, how do you talk to That's those? That's not discrimination, though, Tom. You know, I have one of my inclusionisms, there's 18, is right person, right job. Because I don't believe for a minute that by expanding your talent pool to include diverse thinkers, by expanding your talent pool to include innovative people who've had to deal with barriers their whole life and aren't as sort of put back. Different people taking what was a homogenous workplace and becoming a diversified workplace. Every single study tells us that in order to deliver meaningful innovation in the workplace, companies must enhance and support all types of disabilities and allow people to be their authentic selves at work. And that's when you get a level of productivity, innovation. I keep saying it because it's huge. And what we want to do is acknowledge something right here, Tom, and that is where did we even learn about disability? Just run with me on this one for a second. Because it would seem to me we're asking people from HR up and from the top down and at entry point to accept something. And let's take a moment and ask, well, where did they hear about it? What's their information source? And I've really narrowed it down to four. I'll bet you, Tom, the first time you ever really can remember hearing about disability in whatever context was either at home where there was maybe some laughter or whispering about somebody who, you know, was a little Maybe it was the schoolyard, which is a very cruel pace, place for people living with disabilities who seem different. Or perhaps it was like a movie of the week where the guy was in a car crash, doesn't remember anybody, which rarely happens. Or perhaps it was our good friend Anderson Cooper who's talking about um, somebody who lives with bipolar disorder, but I can assure you it's not a story about him having a wife, two kids, you know, two jobs, and doing great. 
That's not what we're talking about. So where, Tom, are people getting their understanding and comfort level and, frankly, disability confidence from if those are the core sources? Now, I, I thought I read someplace that, um, what, was the, what was the figure um, that, um, about how many people would be considered um, disabled in some way? Right. Living with disability. No problem at all. The fact is, you should know, Tom, right out the gate, I find the majority of people who do live with disability aren't stigmatized by the word disability. They're stigmatized by what the people think that means. I see the figure. I really the figure use the word about, freely. It was one-fifth of the U.S. population. Closer to one-fourth. That's who self-identifies. I went to my mother, a person who uses a Cervox because she lost her voice box to cancer. And I said, Mom, you know, I'm an educator across North America. You know, I, I keynote speak. I think it'd be really great for me to bring you in a way with me. Because I'm going to tape you, and I want you to just say off the top of your head, what do you think a disability means, the word? And I thought that'd be really helpful from, you know, my mom, and it's customized. Anyway, I put the camera on, and she goes, with her little Cervox, she goes, I don't think it's a disability. I consider it a pain in the ass. And I've left that in every <laughs> bit of brilliant. training I've ever done, Tom, because I couldn't have said it better myself. It's just a pain in the ass, especially in a society that may be well-meaning, but it's not enough anymore. Tom, it's just not enough. In the labor force in the United States, in terms of employment participation, persons with disabilities who are ready and able to work is less than 21%. Whereas the rate for people without disability who choose to work is almost 69%. That means that we are looking at a huge disparity between the idea of expanding your talent pool and being innovative and including everyone because it works, not because it's a loss. The reason I named the book Win, Win, Win is I know you're going to appreciate this. There was a very famous author, Stephen Covey, everyone's still reading, and in the 80s, he sold over 50 million books on basically his main concept was win, win. Why is it the used car salesman, when he sells a car, has to rip somebody off? Why can't he make enough money, but also maybe build a good customer who's really okay with what they paid? Maybe it was a little more, but they got good service and the guy was legit, right? And then they recommend friends. That was Covey's idea of win-win, and it makes so much sense. But we are now in a level in society and in the workplace where, frankly, we have aging workplaces, we have people we need to replace, we have skill issues, we have youth who don't know exactly which way they should be going, we have, you know, a post-COVID world, and what does that mean? There's a lot of scary things out there. But what's incredible, and we know for sure is, if we go to three wins, so let's say you hire Frankie to work at the studio. And Frankie never misses a day, because you may not know this, but statistically, persons with disabilities have far fewer sick days, not more. Because when they get that job, darn it, they know, they, they know they're in that 20% and they're holding on. Just as an example, they bring a level of, again, new ideas, different thinking, but let's just talk about the basics that people assume are going to be problems for them. Oh, my insurance is going to go up. Actually, insurance companies work on such a large actuar actuarial, I can never say that word, you know, coverage, that they, they, they allow for these things. So what we're saying is I would rather avoid one in four innovative applicants 
then be a little bit more confident and really check on my biases. And here's where it starts, Tom, the biases we each bring, whether implicit, explicit, whether conscious, unconscious. I remember those um, biases I, are driving us. When you talk about, um, you know, where where we first hear about or learn about disabilities, um, it it might have been a little different for me. But what I was getting at with the one fifth or one fourth of the U.S. population mm. is, I think people um, have experiences directly with people. For example, my dad's parents were deaf. Right. And met at the Michigan School for the Deaf here in Flint, wow. Michigan. Um, they had come here from other parts of the state, and they met and, and married and stayed in Flint. Now, they died before I was born. Um, wow. But my dad knew sign language. And this was many years before it was commonplace to see, you know, a, a governor or a president or some someone on television right have someone standing next to and, them yeah right. and somebody's standing there doing sign language you didn't see that everywhere and so my dad used to do interpreting for the courts and for police and stuff and so i met a lot of people who were deaf and i remember one time my dad getting absolutely furious and i don't know where i picked up the phrase but i referred to someone as deaf and dumb Oh yeah, and he was so angry with me. He said they're deaf mutes, and 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 it mm-hmm. really was it, it was a teaching moment um, because it in that moment I learned that there's a proper way to think about people who are different. Um, Tom, you make the most wonderful point, and you know what the point is? Of course you know, but the point that I'm seeing come out of it is actually one of the things I say all the time, and I'm so glad you said it. Everyone. Everyone in America will have had, has, or will have a disability. So the idea that we're stigmatizing ourselves, or even if you don't agree with me, which I stand by that statement, even if you don't agree with me, you love someone deeply who deserves an equal access to society. That's and a, that's I a believe good point. it all starts with making an income. And, uh, and, out of, and I'll just say about that, that phrase, deaf and dumb, Please. it was so common when my dad was very young, you know, living at home with his parents, right? Um, his his uh, his father was a cobbler, and he had business cards that said "the dummy cobbler." I mean, that's how. Yeah, com- but Tom, at the same time, that's how commonplace group, it was. Yeah, but your father's group was also driving blocks around homes where people had polio because they thought they could catch it by driving by the house <laughs> yeah, right. in the 50s. Yeah. So let's own, we have lots to learn still, right? Oh, and that even goes back to, you know, 40s and maybe maybe even a little bit uh, oh, yeah. before that. Um, Tova, I have to take a short break here, but I, I think we have a lot more to discuss. Can you stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk I'd some more? I'd love it, Tom. All right. Thanks so much. My, uh, my guest is uh, a Canadian CEO, <laughs> Tova Sherman. Who uh, has been working with uh, inclusion and disability for more than 25 years. And we're going to talk more about this when we return. But if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We will be right back. 
And now I dare everybody, it's me, Tigger, T-I-Double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com
thetomsumnerprogram.com. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the uh, CEO of a Canadian NGO, which uh, is... Um, Boy, am I changing that. What's that? I said, I am now changing that officially. You're killing me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was a funny turn of phrase. A Canadian you CEO. You know, we Canadians, was... we can turn a phrase. <laughs> I agree. Anyway, my guest is the author of a book called Win, Win, Win. Her name is Tova Sherman, and she joins me by phone. Tova, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Absolutely no problem. I enjoy all the jazz we get to hear. <laughs> That's fun. Um, in the book, Win, 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 um, you talk about uh, inclusion is different, not difficult, and five steps mm-hmm. to creating a uh, disability-inclusive workplace. Um, can There's one question that keeps gnawing at me, and that is... Um, mental versus physical mm. differing abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what would you like to, like, I mean, we could go all day, right, Tom? We could run one of those marathons and just discuss mental health. But the truth be told, I, I think what I'm hearing from you is kind of a, so what's the difference and how do we handle them and don't they have very different approaches? Yeah. That's it, kind that's, of what we're chatting about. Great. Yeah, because I, we said, I, I mentioned in the last segment that I think people are coming around to the idea that we really don't want to discriminate against anyone. Now, whether we, whether we do or not, you know, it has a lot to do with how we've learned to deal with things. But, but the goal is not to discriminate or, or um, not include anyone. Right. But, well, you know what's funny? I'm sorry, Tom, please go. Uh, no, I, I would, I'm, uh, um, I'm fumbling a little because I, what do we do about people who have... Um, disabilities that that maybe cause them not to be able to grasp things very well. Okay, so that would sound more like cognitive disabilities, different challenges in learning and reading and all kinds of things. I mean, one in ten Americans have dyslexia. I mean, those are all considered to be under the umbrella of cognitive. Let me do this real quick just for everybody. I understand and I represent and think about five types of disabilities. That's maybe helpful for us. The first one is sensory, and that would be taste, sight, hearing, and that's kind of a discussion unto itself, sensory disability. The second type would be physical disability. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we can see it in the sense that they may have a physical problem that we don't see, like my husband. He had a terrible time because he had his back broken in a car accident, but he's a big, burly football player, dude. So even though he would always tell the employers at his new job, I can't lift, I know I look like I should be lifting (laughs) 500 pounds on a morning, but I really, truly can't. 
And it would, people would actually give him a hard time at work because they're like, come on, man, you're burly. And it was a print shop, so there was always something to be lifted, right? Yeah. So it, when we talk about people with physical disability, it isn't always something we see, and we'll get to that in a second. But then there's, of course, people who use assistive devices like wheelchairs and so on and walkers. And, of course, we immediately acknowledge that there's something physical that they require. And then there's people who live with something called fibromyalgia or chronic pain that one day they can walk and the next day they have to use a wheelchair. And often people think they're faking. So what I want to say is we have so far the sensory disability, we have physical disability, we have invisible disability just because you've had cancer and survived or perhaps Crohn's or something serious like that. I can't see it, but I can assure you it is affecting people. And then we have as well cognitive disability, which is some, an umbrella I'm under. And it is the largest single disability in the world, but that's because it's an umbrella for things like people have known, been known to call it intellectual disability or different names for it. But in my case, I live, and you won't be shocked to hear it the way I interrupt you sometimes, I'm quite severe on the ADHD spectrum. So now instead of saying if it's ADD, ADHD, all those letters, we call it a spectrum. And it is an ADHD spectrum, which I live on, and it has its own little challenges, but it also has its rewards. Well, the way so we've done I, I with just, autism. You know, not autism. No, I'm saying... ADHD. Oh, what I'm, about autism? I'm saying... It's a cognitive disability, yeah. The way we, we treat autism as being on a spectrum of disorders. It is. It's a spectrum, meaning, and I'm just going to tell you this right now. So think of a rainbow without all the color, right? So you've got at the very left bottom of the rainbow, mild. Right at the middle of the rainbow where it peaks in the sky is medium. And all the way in where they call it the pot of gold is severe or very severe. Whether it's autism spectrum or ADHD spectrum, the term spectrum is like the rainbow, meaning you might be mild, you might be medium, or you might be quite severe on that spectrum. And along with that often comes other challenges. In my case, because I am so severe on the ADHD spectrum, I also live with a mental health disorder in the form of depression and anxiety. Now, I take no medication at this stage in my life for ADHD. I let my freaks flag fly, as they say. <laughs> that was a hard one to get out, Tom. I'm not going to lie. But I do take medication for depression and anxiety and see my therapist, and I manage it with a number of different activities in my life, including a puppy. So you know what I mean? So, so sure. I wanted you to know that. And then the last disability, which I've just touched on, mental health. Mental health is brain disorder. And mental health means basically that you're, this is how I describe it to the layman. We're all motherboards on the computer and we're all wired differently. And unfortunately, some of us get wired with more different ways of seeing things and doing things. I did not succeed in high school. I was told to leave because as a kid who's severe on that spectrum of ADHD, I was really, I guess, a handful. I thought I was just a normal kid, but clearly I was not. So I guess what I want to say is that there's all these types of disability. And although we've become very comfortable with the idea of a physical disability, oh, I've worked with her. She's kind of a nice girl. You just have to not put the coffee maker so high up. You know, it's not so scary when you see that. But the problem is we have decided, especially around disabilities we can't see and those that affect the brain, to avoid rather than engage. 
just in Canada with our very modest, you know, population and, and economy compared to the United States. We spend $50 billion a year just on mental health leave short and long term. Just that one thing, mental wow. health leave. And I'll tell you what, in the United States, it's the number one reason for leave at work. It's not because, you know, I need some, uh, a cane or I need a, a ramp. It's usually because the stress has got tipped. I've had a tipping point with my stress. And if workplaces were educated not to be therapists, because they shouldn't be, but to know to read the signs and not wait, I'm telling you, we would have many more people at work. The stats around work absences would go way down because I'm telling everybody right now, you're having months of signs, months of changes that are telling you already that something's different with Helen. And I'm going to go approach Helen and say, hey, Helen, you used to come and have coffee with me every morning. You always come in the best dressed. Lately, I noticed your hair, you know, you don't have to say my hair is not brushed, but you notice these things and you approach. And that's how you get ahead of it. Think preventative. Don't think post-effect, knee-jerk. Tova, yeah, Tova, when you talk about these different types of of disabilities, um, is, is there a way for human resources managers to get trained in such a way, not, as you say, to be therapists, but to recognize the differences, uh, the different needs of these people who I'm going to call differently abled. Um, Let's use disability. Let's embrace the word. Uh, Let's and, own it. And, and I'm fine with that. But, but okay. to, to make my point is, yes. is there training available that would um, help build the expertise to know where people who are differently abled fit in their company, in in the workplace. Um, obviously, you can't have someone who is a deaf mute working the phones. Unless you have auditory, like, flash system, yeah, lighting. You know, There's ways. I'm not saying, but I'm, again, now we're going right person, right job again. Why would that person do that? It's like asking someone in a wheelchair, oh, can you climb ladders? This job is for ladder climbers. Obviously, yeah, that's, that's wrong person, that's, wrong job. That's the point yeah, I'm, I'm, that I'm trying yeah, yeah. to make is that there are people who may be a very good fit for a company, but in a particular role. And is there training available for human resources personnel to get good at making those fits? I think that's a very good question. The fact remains, and and it's one of my inclusionisms, the fish stinks from the head. Does the boss, I'm a maritimer, forgive me, I'm, you know, growing (laughs) up on the ocean, but the fish does stink from the head. And what that means to me certainly is that if the boss is not truly interested, if the leader in the company is kind of, yeah, we got to do it, there's a law, just don't get me in trouble, but I'm not considering it to be a core element, a value in our company. If inclusion is a value, let's step way back, right, to the very foundation of the company. We have to continue to always review our values. It's something I teach. I travel all over the world, and all I do is talk about the ease of inclusion of persons with disabilities in your workplace and why it is you can be disability confident without having to get a degree in it because you don't need a degree. You just need one thing, and that is the capacity to stay curious. And I don't mean the what the hell is wrong with you curious. I mean the (laughs) I'm really interested. 
How much vision do you have? You mentioned low vision, but is it something you would want a 14 font? Or is it something where you can just, no, 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 I just bring my special glasses and a bright light. No big deal. Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you. That curiosity kept that person in that interview. Get that interview going. Instead of, well, she's obviously not going to be able to come to bowling night because she's visually impaired. I know many people who bowl <laughs> who are legally blind, and they certainly beat my butt. So all I'm saying is if we're genuinely curious, and that's really what I do in the book, I get the entry point with 18 things that say if you can do this, and I even have right in the book at the bottom of every saying, we put how to put it in practice right now. Not, you know, a 10-year plan. Just right now, what could you do to get that feeling? What is our responsibility from the top down and the bottom up? And that's what I do. I go around North America especially, and I teach everybody from the top down. I've done, you know, government officials, and we do CEOs, but we also do entry-level front desk. I do a lot of work in the hospitality industry, and I'm looking forward to it coming back again so I can do that again. But in the meantime, there are people who know how to put you on the right track with ease and comfort, but without that sense of buy-in at the core level, which to me is actually a value around being inclusive, being innovative, being creative, and ensuring, and here's a good one for the HR folks, this is a good teaser, they've got to learn to screen in, not screen out. And and that brings up uh, another question I was thinking about, Tova, and that is what can HR people or employers of any kind mm-hmm. ask? Because it's it there are some things that, that employers are being told that, that they can't ask and, and now it's... Right around the laws. Yeah, and, I'm well, not you sure are not what allowed to say, say. Well, what, what the hell is wrong with you? Remember that one? Yeah, that's an out. Or, that's a no, no, no. Or, or, you can't like ask about example, disability. For example, um, mm-hmm. you know, people are discouraged from, from asking about a person's sexual preference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are more of these things, you know, entering into the relationship uh, an employer has in an interview setting with a potential employee, what when it comes to disability, what's what's on the table and and what's off limits? I mean, obviously, what the hell is wrong with you is that that's bad. What's good? <laughs> what's good <laughs> is that curiosity piece where you ask them, to, for instance, the first thing I do when I'm trying to be really inclusive, and I mean welcome what we call BIPOC, which is black, indigenous, people of color. That's a term we use. You know, we want to include the LGBTQ plus plus community. We want to include people with disabilities. I call our new immigrants newcomers. We love our newcomers here in Canada, and we want to embrace them and engage them as well. So my goal is to show the HR world and leaders from the top down that simple disability confidence will assist them in all inclusive processes, will assist them in not only being diverse, because anyone can hire someone, but not anyone can have an inclusive workplace, meaning a functioning, innovative workplace where the brain economy, which is the future of business, is being fed not by 12 people who slap each other on the back because they all went to the same school, 
they all think the same way. But by 12 people from different backgrounds that constantly challenge the status quo, and that's what keeps us ahead of the competition. Let me let me ask you this. I was reading that uh, um, people with disabilities are twice as likely to be unemployed. Um, is that largely because of uh, a lack of workplace inclusion, or are people with disabilities not being encouraged to go for it? I'm go- I love that you asked me that because there was a recent study done around employment and prejudice. That's what it was called. And I want to read you a quick excerpt from it. Sure. One of the first steps in remedying the issue around disability in the workplace and disability prejudice, one of the only ways is to reduce disability, in order to reduce disability employment disparities, is recognizing that the unemployment of people with disabilities is related directly to prejudiced views of disability rather than about people with disabilities' actual abilities. It is our preconceived prejudiced views of disability that are keeping us out of the workplace, not our inability to do a lot of jobs. It, is, so it, is that, are the findings that, that, the, that it exists um, in the workplace, the, the block to employment for people with disabilities, or are the people with disabilities themselves also um, stigmatizing themselves? That's a great question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Because in order yeah. for in order for you to be inclusive, somebody's got to step up and apply. You're right. But if I look at an ad, and this is such a great point, gosh, good for you, Tom, because if I look up and I see an ad as a person with disability, and they've got in an eight font at the bottom inclusive, welcome, we'll interview you too. You know if what it's I'm a disclaimer. Eight yeah. font. Right, like a disclaimer. You know, it's like those drug commercials and it's got yeah. 30 disclaimers. Well, the disclaimer is we'll look at you if you have a disability. You know, so when someone sees that, they're not inspired. When someone goes on a website to check a company out to apply and sees their values have nothing to do with innovation, you know, being open, inclusive, you know, wanting an inclusive culture, wanting to hire diversely, that's kind of a secret message to people to stay away. So if business want right person, right job, if they want to truly expand their talent pool, they really have to start with their calling card. And it brings me back to their values, their website, their messaging. Is their website seven white people between the ages of 25 and 35? Or is their website include diverse people, which also sends messages? We, as businesses, must identify and acknowledge we have inherent bias, prejudice, and it's stopping us from being the most innovative companies. McKinsey Report did this great study on diversity, and what they discovered was that those companies, the top 20% most diverse companies in America, and the lowest 20% in terms of diversity in America, diverse hiring, they did a comparison, and stock returns were less than 4% for the lowest in the diversity family, and they were close to 20% in the highest. So what that tells us is the more innovative and diverse, the better stock returns for your investors. Hello, win-win-win time. Are we getting better at being inclusive in North America, Tova? Hmm. 
Gosh, are, I'd like to say yes at the gate. Are we, I don't want to be a pessimist, so yes. Are, we are being better because we're more aware of it, and now we're at the next stage. And the next stage is to say, I want it with stage one. I think we're there. I really don't want to be, you know... A jerk. I want to have the best innovative places. I'm reading um, Harvard Business Review. I'm seeing that everyone says diverse, diverse. What does it do for you? You know, I always remember the great story about Facebook after the last election, not this one, well, the original Trump election four and a half years ago. And they did a great piece in the Washington Post, and they talked about the reason Facebook missed all these Russian bots. As you recall, there was like a million Russian yeah. bot accounts on Facebook. What's going on? They missed it because they are a very homogenous group of people, all in a similar age group, all kind of, you know, tech geeks, as they like to call them, all majority white. So they're busy all going to the same MITs. So they didn't have the diverse outside perspectives that a really inclusive culture has, and therefore they miss stuff. A guy that might have been there, a newcomer, for instance, might have gone, you know, guys, this is looking very suspicious to me. But what they did was they were able to miss things by simply being too homogenous. Uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask about this is if we, if we are improving a little, um, is, is that in part because we're getting more women in roles, uh, you know, in leadership roles, and do women tend to be more inclusive? The answer in the short one is yes. I'm not going to give you a study in front of me, but I've done a lot of reading around that. And the truth be told, as we see women CEOs in particular, again, because why, Tom? Because the fish stinks from the head. When a CEO is a woman, they're seeing changes in the diverse hiring, and not just inclusive of women but obviously inclusive, as I mentioned earlier, the BIPOC community, the LGBTQ community, and persons with disabilities. And it's a fact that all we have to do is reach past our own noses to see that it's literally a win for the employer. The team actually feels better and knows that diversity is welcome. They don't have to hide their disability, which over 64% of people say they would never speak of it in the workplace. Are, are millennials... So we are doing better because there's still 36% talking about it. Are, yeah, are are millennials are are millennials more likely and millennials and younger more likely oh. to be inclusive? Is it improving generationally? I think overall, yes. I'm not sure disability is doing as well as it should. But what is very interesting is young people's relationship to mental health issues. And the awareness and the acknowledgement as we see young people. Here in Canada, there was a terrible story this week. A young girl went in New Brunswick, 16 years old, and went and said, listen, I'm not okay. I need to talk to someone. They left her there for eight hours, and she stepped out and killed herself. Hmm. That was this last week. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Young people are going to tip the paradigm in terms of mental health. They get that everyone around them is experiencing it, they get the numbers are incredibly high. When we talk about making a university, for instance, accessible, it's not about the ramps exclusively because the majority of young people don't have physical disability. The accommodation that is required in the area of cognitive and mental health support. Tova, um, I have a feeling we could talk uh, for 
All day. I told you it's a marathon. It 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 really is. Um, but we have to bring it to a close. But I always give guests okay. an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, Tova Sherman's book, Win Win Win, is a good place to start. But Tova, do you have a website where people can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Absolutely. I have a very lovely website for the agency that I started over 20 years ago, and the work that I do with the book and traveling is our central enterprise, and that agency is reachability.org. So www.reachability.org is our website. I don't go on Twitter, Tom, because I'm too sensitive. <laughs> but you can reach me for public speaking or anything you want through that. And again, I give my email out because it's simply Tova, T-O-V-A, at reachability.org. Okay, we and got again, it. the book We're, is... Hi, this is oh, sorry, Tom, you got to go. Goodbye. Yeah. I You're love talking. To Bye, Tova. Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. 
home to Michigan's largest county park system, and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make, throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, great lovers of the world, lend me thy ears. Where has love wrought? <laughs> love has wrought beauty. Love is the world. The world is love, and the great lovers of the world have made the earth a very precious, beautiful, and lovely place. Where is the love? Tell me. It's, it's there. It's there. <laughs> oh, where is the love? It's there. Where is the love? It's there. Do you know where the love is? It's there, Tom. It's all around you. Love is everywhere. Love is ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-moving. Love is passionate. It is flowing. It is sweet. It is wonderful. Love is compassion. Love is... Love is God. This is a song of two lovers. Right. Not world-famous lovers. Not a Romeo and Juliet. Not that type of a love. But two people whose love was an unrequited love. Unrequited love. <laughs> very beautiful love. A love that very few people ever hear of. It's a story of Herman and Sally. <laughs> You've heard of them, huh? Herman was a lobster. And Sally was a crab. <laughs> Never was out that way, will it? <laughs> Herman met Sally on the beach one night. The sea was calm and the starfish were bright. He looked at her and she looked at him and it was true love at first sight. Now Herman told his folks about the girl he found and they said, Herman, there must be other girls around. <laughs> Cause crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Everybody sing now! Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Where is love? Yeah. Try singing like that. 
Poor Herman and poor Sally. Whence did their love whence wrong? Oh, the bittersweet pain of love's nectar. Yes, Herman, though he loved Sally, could not marry her, could not have her for his own. Herman was a lobster, Sally was a crab. Herman lived in a restricted neighborhood. So he had to make a decision. And Herman made a decision which was sad and very hard for him to do. But then, being a lobster, Herman had no backbone. <laughs> Herman told Sally and it broke her heart. She had loved that lobster right from the start. He took her in his claws and said, I'll always be yours. But still, we really have to part. Sally said, let's talk to your mom and your dad. I'll show them that crabs really aren't that bad. <laughs> they turned her away, what would the neighbors say? And they laughed at the funny walk she had. Two, three. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Sing out, friends, now. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Once again, gang! Oh, crabs walk sideways Lobsters walk straight and we won't let you take her for your mate. One more time now! Crabs walk sideways, lobsters walk straight and we won't let you take her for your mate. One day on a sandbar, what did Herman see? But his little old Sally walking straight as can be. He said, Sally, I can take you in my family. And she said, Herman, don't you sweetheart me. <laughs> Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take it for your man This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
was from There was someone tosses in a stream And like a clock whose hands are sweeping Past the minutes of its face And the world is like another whirling silently in space Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket Words that jangle in your head Why the summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore and leave their footprints in the sand. Is the sound of distant drumming just the fingers of your hand? And pictures hanging in a hallway of the fragment of our song. Have remembered names and faces, but to whom do they belong? And when you knew that it was over, you were so Turning to the colors of his hair Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning reel As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 